you know, fencing, on guard, etc. Harry Heath was a teacher at the Foyle Place, one of New York's many fencing schools. Harry Heap was also a 32-year-old man married to a woman, Maria, 30 years his senior. But that's a discussion for another time, right? Because Buster Lee was Harry's last fencing class of the day on Fridays, and because Harry lived in Soho, he drove Buster Lee to the Nebraska, where his mama, Neely Cairo, New York's most famous psychic, lived. On the news radio in Heap's car, there was a report on the 1981 New York crime wave. While no civilians were hurt, three cops were injured. One of them slashed with a knife while trying to stop a man wielding a bottle. A man who was then shot and wounded by... For the purposes of context, you should know that there was a vigilante shooting on the subway and over 300,000 break-ins. Holy stole his cookies, said Buster Lee. 300,000 break-ins is crazy. Pulling up to the Nebraska, Heap said, Do you have plans for Memorial Day? Wearing a white t-shirt, old blue jeans, and new loafers, Buster shook his head. Well, try to enjoy yourself. Life passes in the blink of an eye. I guess so, Harry, said Buster Lee, looking out the window. What about you? Scratching his nose, Harry said, I'm going to stay home and read Clockwork Orange. I'd like to see The Shining, but it's restricted, so... Besides, if my mama found out, there'd be holy heck to pay. Harry stopped in front of the Nebraska. Buster Lee thanked him, and while avoiding a puddle, closed the door. Outside the Nebraska, the doorman, wearing white gloves and a red coat with epaulets, tipped his hat to Buster Lee. Running to the port cashier, Buster Lee gave the doorman that quick smile guys give each other when in a rush. Poking his head around the corner, Buster Lee watched Harry Heap's banged up car disappear in the traffic. Driving down Broadway, Harry knew his apartment would smell of fish because his wife Maria always made Dover Soul on Fridays. Hello, Mama? Anyone? There was no one in the mahogany-paneled office of International Investigators. Except for Beck, Buster Lee's faithful dog. Listening to the radio, something caught Buster Lee's attention. There was mention of flooding this weekend. Uh, are at or near flood stage. Now, these rivers here are forecasted. Flooding, thought Buster Lee. Rats. Because he lived down the hall from Neely Cairo's office and worked for her, it was not unusual for Lars LaGuardia to walk in unannounced. Dressed in a suit the color of oatmeal, Lars said, I thought you were out of town. Scratching Beck's back, Buster Lee said, Do you want to come to Travistock for the Memorial Weekend? Joan is away and we'll have the place to ourselves. The Cody G Marathon starts tonight. I like that a lot, but I can't be there until later. I have some stuff to do. Grabbing a folder, Lars waved goodbye to Buster Lee and vanished. Dressed in rainwear with matching goggles and helmets, Buster Lee and Beck went to the parking lot downstairs and hopped on his scooter with a sidecar. Destination, Travistock, New Jersey. The Mysterious World of Buster Lee, presented by Adam Ive. 
And now, Memorial Weekend. In 1976, retired actress, athlete, and crossworder Joan Reynolds bought a 10,000-square-foot, three-floor house in Travistock, New Jersey. Joan converted part of the house into a one-bedroom apartment with separate finished basement. It's cozy with a working fireplace. Knowing Neely Cairo for like 25 years, she rented the apartment to Buster Lee when she heard he was looking. The space is big enough to house a small crime lab and dark room too. And, Joan being Joan, she had numerous false walls, hidden halls, and secret rooms installed throughout the house and in Buster Lee's apartment. After coming in, he picked up the mail. There was a handwritten letter without a return address, but postmarked Niagara Falls. He put down his backpack and tossed the letter on the counter by a Sears catalog. And where is Joan Reynolds, you ask? She was at a crossword competition in London, England. Rifling through a drawer, Buster Lee found a menu from Crow's Nest Pizza, the best pizza in Travistock. He ordered a large vegetarian pie, vegan was not yet on the horizon, a Caesar salad, no bacon thank you, and, because it was Memorial Day, a large tiramisu for dessert. The pizza came with complimentary macaroni salad and garlic bread, and four pops. The tiramisu was extra. But what a deal for $7.50, right? Delivery on the Friday of a long weekend would take an hour at least, and longer because of the rain. After ordering, Buster Lee switched on the TV. He was still getting used to 24-hour news. Anyhow, a report about Memorial Day came on. New Yorkers would leave town, and the city would be besieged by tourists. The weatherman warned of rain. The phone rang. And Buster picked it up and waited. But there was no one on the line. Now, in its second season, the Cody G Mysteries was a popular TV show about a close-knit group of inward-looking teenagers living in Newport Beach, California. Cody's daddy, a former policeman, passed away, and Cody inherited his private detective agency and mansion. His roommate was a young landscaper and surfer called Owen Bennett. Cody's sidekick was an adorable Jack Russell Terrier called Wiener Boy. Each week, Cody and his friends solved a local mystery. A jewel theft, an art theft, missing fur coats, stolen cars, that sort of thing. However, to complicate matters, Cody was a player. Although he was all-American eye candy and often went shirtless, he messed up socially and made a lot of people angry. Especially girls like Marissa, Julie, Caitlin, Faith, Autumn, Taylor, and of course, Chastity. Wearing his pajamas and curled up on the Chesterfield with Beck, Buster Lee readied himself to watch the opening episode of the Cody G Marathon. Buster Lee heard the pizza delivery car pull up. 
Putting on his housecoat, he headed to the door. Lars stood at the door smiling, balancing the food in one hand and a bag in the other. I ran into the delivery guy, so... Buster Lee helped Lars with the food. Sensing Lars needed to... Buster Lee said, it's the door at the back of the kitchen. Not that familiar with the layout of Buster Lee's place, Lars opened the wrong door and saw a basket of cleaning goods and a BB gun. Realizing he opened the wrong door, he opened the adjacent one. When he was done, Lars made his way to the living room. On his way, he saw a letter on the counter. He wanted to pick it up and see who it was from, but he thought it best not to snoop. A quarter of a mile away, a malnourished 21-year-old named Poe hid behind a juniper bush. Although Poe was American, he was born in Bellagio. Unlike a lot of people from that area of Italy, his family wasn't rich. In fact, having moved to Fairfield when he was eight, you think Poe was a toity-toid-and-toid type of guy. But remarkably, he was not. Poe looked pretty nice. His hair was slicked, he hated the sun, and he was a real mama's boy. For his birthday, his mama gave him a canvas loot bag. She didn't call it that. Tonight, Poe carried a bottle of cooking oil. Steadying himself against a tree, Poe undressed and stashed his clothes, one item at a time, in a paper bag. The bag was stuffed under a mailbox. After rubbing the oil as if it were an imported bomb, Poe wore a small face mask covered in feathers that were sprayed with gold paint to be precious. Wearing only the mask and shoes, Poe looked like something from Clown World. He believed the disguise was ingenious. Later, when interviewed by two feds from Quantico in an unrelated case, Poe said, I got the idea about the oil from one of those magazines they sell at the variety store, right? But I digress. That night, as slippery as raw squid, Poe was ready to prowl for some sparkly trinkets. Just when he thought life couldn't get any sweeter, boom, Travistock, New Jersey was thrust into a blackout. Just like that, 25 million people were plunged into darkness. What a way to start a long weekend. Under the cover of dark, Buster Lee and Lars lit candles. In the kitchen, Lars opened the fridge door and removed the tiramisu. He scooped a dollop of mascarpone and spread it across Beck's nose. Wanting more, Beck licked it off. Buster Lee turned on the transistor radio and listened to the news. And after more than eight hours of darkness, America's largest police force was stretched to the limit. A blackout hit the Northeast. How big? Where did it start? What caused it? Who's to blame? Was there looting? Holding a flashlight, back heeling close, Buster Lee tiptoed into the basement. Wherever he directed the flashlight's beam, he saw water. On a paper of phone numbers cello-taped inside a kitchen cupboard door, Buster found the name for Cooper Cleaners. Reaching for his Harvest Yellow Wall phone, Buster Lee called Cooper's Cleaners. 
No one answered. West Fourth Street and the power just went out. Everybody got stuck. There's definitely some people, a couple cars behind, by the time they got onto the tracks, were like hyperventilating and having some panic attacks. One guy, his friends had to sit him down here because he was shaking so bad and he was really freaking out. For some people, it took hours to get to the surface through tunnels, along walkways, over. By the time they got to the surface, some people seemed burned out. It was just the not knowing, you know, if we had been told it would be two hours and the fire department on their way, it'd be fine, but it just got after an Julie and Trey Westlake were typical New Jersey newlyweds. To celebrate Memorial Day weekend and six months of marriage, they went to Jamaica. Because home security systems were not standard stuff in 1981, Poe had no problem breaking into the Westlake's home. In the dining room, Poe opened the credenza drawers and grabbed a handful of Julie's heirloom cutlery. Upstairs, in their bedroom, Poe grabbed jewelry, a watch and a portable cassette player just new in 1981. Holding it in his hand, Poe said, I want this. However, he forgot the headphones. Didn't your parents work in Eastern Europe? said Buster, putting more tiramisu on his fork. Bowing his head, Lars said, My mother invented a hand pump so people wouldn't have to wait for fresh water. My parents did a lot of work for Refugees International. So when I was 15 and at the American school in Switzerland, the principal called me to his office. I thought I was in trouble, but he told me, as nicely as you can tell a 15-year-old, your parents are dead. On the wall in the principal's office was a sign that said, choose people who want things to be better. I'll never forget that motto, Buster Lee. Not as long as I live. A dog's nose contains 295 million more smell receptors than yours. Smelling vegetable oil, completely unexpected, Beck opened an eye. With discerning ears, Beck thought he heard someone prowling around, but the rain masked the sound of bare feet on the porch. Curious, the blue healer hopped on the chair near the window and looked out. It was too dark to see anything. Still. Still, the aroma of cooking oil grew more intense by the minute. It was odd. Mighty odd. Having gorged on the tiramisu, Lars and Buster nodded off. Unaware that outside, a cat burglar named Poe prowled the property. Delighted by his good fortune, if I had known breaking and entering was so easy, thought Poe, I would have started when I was a kid. in some neighborhoods overnight, and after more than eight hours of darkness, America's largest police force was stretched to the limit. Across the city, New Yorkers abandoned their sweltering apartments and partied into the night on street corners. Although Watergate raised awareness of burglaries, in 1981, many Americans still did not lock their doors. Travistock was no different. Hearing something, Beck padded around looking for clues. 
Through the wall, the little blue healer heard a motion coming from Joan's side of the house. Sniffing first, he tipped his head and listened. Asleep on the Chesterfield, Lars heard a rattling and woke up. Hello? Buster Lee, is that you? Squinting, Lars could see nothing but the fireplace embers. He called Buster Lee again, but nothing. Lars called back, but nothing. Damn it. The rattling increased. Scared, Lars sat up and put his feet on the floor. Joan Reynolds' home was tastefully decorated. With cladding the color of a fresh snowfall, a red, white, and blue flag fluttered in the wind on her porch. In fall, she nailed bundles of Indian corn to the front door and decorated the stair with pumpkins of every size and color. Indoors, the walls were painted pale avocado and the wainscoting was gray. Except for the sardine-colored broadloom in the living room, she outfitted the rest of the house in hardwood. The furniture and fittings were standard bohemian design circa 1930. In other words, Joan had good taste. Waving a 1970 official police issue foot-long flashlight, Poe discovered Joan's collection of 18th century candlesticks in the dining room. Poe stuffed as many as he could in his increasingly heavy loot bag. Poe thought they would be a hit with a sordid pawnbroker he knew in Union City. Hearing a noise, Lars slipped on his shoes, grabbed his coat, and went outside. Standing on his toes, he peeked through the half-open blinds of Joan's living room. He saw a light move and a body shifting in the shadows. Because the front window was ajar, Lars smelled the cooking oil. Joined by Beck, the super pooch, Lars wondered what the heck was happening. Hearing a sound, Poe pivoted and shone his beam of light out the front window, temporarily blinding Lars. In the living room, the lights came on. Standing with a BB gun pointed at Poe, it shocked Buster Lee to see the invader's body was bare and glistening in what could only be cooking oil. Caught red-handed, Poe dropped the bag of stolen goods. Buster Lee took a deep breath and aimed the BB gun at Poe. As Buster Lee was about to pull the trigger, the power went off again. Darn it, said Buster Lee. Poe pushed over Buster Lee and hightailed it out of the house into the night and the rain. Picking up Buster Lee, then Poe's loot bag, Lars said, at least he didn't get any stuff. Satisfied nothing else was stolen, Lars turned to Buster Lee and said, how on earth did you get in here? Locking the front door, Buster Lee said, the same way the cat burglar did. 
Lock your doors, people. Next morning, Lars made pancakes for breakfast. Still wearing his pajamas, Buster Lee came up from the basement and said, I'll have to call Coopers again, but it's not too bad. Joan warned me the basement could flood one day. Putting his hands on Buster Lee's shoulders, Lars marched him into the living room. Staring at the TV, Buster Lee saw aerial footage of people trapped on rooftops. Entire streets were disappeared. There was a scene of dolls, books, clothes, and broken furniture as the floodwaters carried them away. A cat burglar, floods, some Memorial Day weekend, said Buster Lee. We have three more days too, said Lars, waving a spatula. Denouement. As usual, after his fencing lesson, Harry Heap gave Buster Lee a lift home. Though he was small in stature, Buster Lee was getting mighty good with the foil. To Harry Heap's delight, the young stripling moved with increased precision and power. Going south on Riverside, Buster Lee told Harry Heap about his long weekend. How Lars stayed over, how the basement flooded, and how a cat burglar broke in, and how they chased him away with a gun. Heap said, Would you have really shot the cat burglar? Buster Lee shook his head and said, It's only a BB gun. It's for show. And it was empty. I haven't put any BBs in it for forever. Dropping off Buster Lee at 72nd Street, Heap said, Well, I'm just glad you're okay. Stepping out of the car, Buster Lee waved to his mama's neighbor, Mr. Bernstein. Leonard friggin' Bernstein. What a lucky kid Buster Lee is, Harry said. But it was Friday, and Harry Heap looked forward to something better than a Leonard Bernstein sighting. Fridays, he always had Dover Soul waiting at home. Maria may not be the perfect maid for him, but she sure knew how to do his laundry and bake him a Dover Soul. been listening to The Mysterious World of Buster Lee, presented by Adam Ive. Mystery World theme by Oliver Wickham. Follow us on Instagram. Go ampersand pod underscore planet. For show notes and merch, go to podplanet.org. Special thanks to Tattoo Sound and Music. The Mysterious World of Buster Lee is written and produced by podplanet.org.